Listener beware, you're in for a scare. This episode, Molly Mason in The Curse of the Creeping Coffin. Dun, dun, dun. It's spooky, and it's going to get spookier. I don't like spooky. Well, Molly Mason, you came to the wrong place. Damn it. Yeah. <laughs> so Molly and I have been friends for, ooh, a good four or five years now. Mm-hmm. You're a beatboxing drag queen under the name Bette Noir. Yep. You're a performer of all genres and mediums. Mm. We've acted together on stage. We've done screen acting. We've done a whole bunch of things together. And it's always fun to see what you're going to come up with next. You even got me to sing. <laughs> That's an impressive I feat, getting me get to sing, sing live on stage. Well done, ladies and gentlemen. That's right. <laughs> Yesterday in space, check out Doug Bader. He's a hot pilot. Um, so you're joining me today for Pick a Path podcast, where we read through a Give Yourself Goosebumps book by R.L. Stein. We're going to do a Let's Play of it. These were definitely my favourite in the Goosebumps things. Like Any Goosebumps book, totally worth reading, but the, the Pick a Path books, I had a strong obsession with since I was a kid. So when they released Goosebumps ones, it's like, oh, now you just, you are asking me to waste my money. This right. is brilliant. Oh, I remember, it was at school library, like every single book, like, oh, I had to get them all. They're so good. I have a few Pick a Path books. I have all but two of the Give Yourself Goosebumps books now. Mm. Uh, I also have a few Sonic Adventure Game book ones. Good Lord, that's a thing. Yep. Wow, I don't even know that. I've got to look at that. (laughs) Sonic Adventures. I went to the Salvation Army op shop the other day and found a, it was called um, Choose Your Path, number one, Into the Rumble Arena. I was just about to say, there's a series of books I used to read called Choose Your Path, and they would be sci-fi, futuristic, Mm -hmm. some of them were like westerns, it was always just a different story, but... The one I saw the other day was very small and it was too much for me to spend that day and I was like oh I love give yourself goosebumps I love all of those so I grabbed it and like picked it up to look at it see what it was yeah. and it was a WWE choose your own adventure novel wow and I was thrown it was just really confusing for me what a weird concept I think it gets to the bottom of the page and it's like like throw the guy over your shoulder go to page 62 slam Duncan with your elbow Page 45, you're right. like, okay, let's see what happens. Like, yeah, That could be really weird, yeah. So we're not going to be doing any wrestling today. Oh. We are going to be sitting down to do uh, this Give Yourself Ghostbumps novel, and I'm going to hand it over to you to let you have a look at the cover of The Curse of the Creeping Coffin. Can you imagine, though, you just turn a page and it's like, John Cena in capital letters. <laughs> you're like, oh, no, I've lost. No. The end instead of the end, it's just John Cena. Cool, so this one, Curse of the Creeping Coffin. This is cool. I love this, like the holographics on the on the case. Right. You can know? spin it out just like wiggling the book. And it's so shiny. Looking at it, seeing how pretty it looks. Uh, uh, yeah, he goes, Boo, dude! Goosebumps is on TV. See your local TV listing for details. <laughs> Gosh, I remember watching some of those. Was it the first one they brought out? Short film? It's The Tower? Oh, yeah. There's two kids go up into that like old castle. It's got the tower in it and the big suit of armor comes up. Yeah. That's the one terror tower. I remember that. Right. It's so cheesy. It's so good. The book has a gorgeous coloration of orange, green, and I don't even know. Is that silver teal? teal sil- yeah, like a teal silver. The picture is a coffin. Whoa, creepy. Looks like a skeleton is opening it up. 
I feel like the grass is like really dark brown compared to these like clearly autumn leaves here and I'm like yeah. I don't know what time of year this is. <laughs> uh, spooky season. It's already it's already put me off. I'm, I'm it's lost. Always spooky season when it comes to goosebumps. Oh that's they're real deadheads. Dun 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 Oh no. You're off to visit your grandmother whose house backs up to a graveyard. At first, the tombstones seem far away, but every day they move a little off. These are like, what is that? Spoilers. <laughs> Freaking Doctor Who. The Weeping, Weeping Angels. Angels. Yep. Get out of it. Don't even. Oh, Aral Stone was onto it early. Take I could not deal with that. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like turn back the statues close. I'm going to be like, oh, it's just mannequins all over again. I'm out. Oh, I'm out. Yes. Don't even. I don't do mannequins. I don't. They freak me out. Little little porcelain dolls, mannequins. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. 100% no. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know what book we're doing next. <laughs> turns around, mannequin. Don't get me like that. <clears throat> okay. So, we're going to jump in. Now, we, I'll read you the pages. We'll banter. We'll talk. And, of course, when R.L. Stein presents you with an option, you'll get to make the choice. Wicked. Feel free to add any sound effects or anything else you want to as we go. <laughs> If there's one thing you need to know about Molly, it's that they've got a... I don't want to... They've got a really talented mouth. <laughs> hey, the best thing to do is to say, So what do you do for a living? Um, I make money um, performing things with my mouth on the side of the road. <laughs> what? By that I mean I'm a professional busker. I could have said that better. No, I love that. That's right. a good way to introduce today. So. <laughs> I mean... Do you mind? I mean, give yourself goosebumps. Could you give us a 10-second little kind of creepy beatboxing kind of something? Oh, scary. What's creepy? I'm just like, what's the goosebumps theme? I'm sure I know this. Um, let me try that. I'll forget that. Yeah. It was like... Uh, Beautiful, <laughs> thank you. Let's begin. Just point out, I'm wearing a witch beanie and a witch necklace because I have a witch tattoo. <laughs> That's why. You, Witches. You, <laughs> you can only wear those things because you have a witch tattoo. Yes. I'm bored, you moan. I'm so bored I could eat flies just to see how they taste. Flies have germs, your grandmother replies. It is a hot, sticky day in the middle of July. You plop down into a creepy old chair (laughs) in your grandmother's kitchen. Your parents dropped you off yesterday before they left for their vacation and already you could die of boredom. Your grandmother's old dog, Sparkle, yawns loudly. He crawls under the table. Moments later, he begins to snore. I know just how you feel, Sparkle, you say. You sigh loudly. Why don't you go outside and find something to do, your grandmother suggests. She looks up from the pie she's baking and nods towards the backyard. Go out there, you think? Into her backyard? No way. You glance out the window. It's probably 90 degrees in the shade, but you shiver. Your grandmother's house is right in front of an old cemetery. Rows and rows of old crumbling tombstones sit just beyond the edge of her backyard. But that's not what scares you. What scares you is that the tombstones have been moving. (gasps) Go on to page two as your first option. Well, I have to think about that. I know, it's a hard one. I'm going to have to go go to page two. Okay. 
Damn. You noticed it right after you arrived yesterday. You saw the tombstones from your bedroom window on the second floor. You could tell some of the graves had cool carvings on them, so you decided to go outside and take a closer look. But when you entered the graveyard, something was different. Strange. Some of the graves were out of place. Nah, can't be, you told yourself. Graves don't disappear. But still, from your bedroom window, you could have sworn there were six or seven graves in the back row. Now there were only three. Nah, you must have counted wrong. You decided to forget it and went to bed. But when you woke this morning and glanced out the window, the coffins had moved again. I, Sorry, why did it say I'm coffins? Just, it's I, graves. Like, now it's coffins. These are meant to be graves. Are the coffins coming out of the ground? Right. You're freaking me out, RL. Yeah. Spooky. What's going on here? Now there were ten in the back row. Wow. And the middle row seemed more crowded. It almost looked as if some of the graves were moving forward and some of the graves were moving backward. And there was a big traffic jam in the centre. The coffins were rearranging themselves. But how? And why? Creepy. Your grandmother taps you on the shoulder. She snaps you out of your daydream. Go on, she says. Go play outside. Outside? Out there? You shudder as you glance out the kitchen window again. Oh no, you cry. It's disappeared. What's disappeared? Your grandmother asks. The grave with the angel on it, you screech. Here we go. See, I told you! Yeah, we're going straight into weeping angel territory. No! It's gone. One headstone in particular caught your eye yesterday. It had an angel carving on it. The angel looked so realistic you practically believed she could fly away. Did she? <laughs> your grandmother peers out the kitchen window. Don't be a goose, she scolds you. That tombstone is still there. You don't answer her. You can't. Your heart is pounding crazily and your mouth has gone dry. You bolt out the back door. You've got to see for yourself. But in the graveyard you discover that your grandmother is right. The tombstone with the angel isn't gone. It just moved. It had been in the last row. Now it's up the front. Oh, no. I'm completely losing my mind, you think. Losing it completely. Or are you? Find out on page four. Dun, dun, dun! You run back into your house shouting, Grandma, you yell. That grave with the angel on it. Your grandmother interrupts you. You don't have to shout, dear. The angel? She looks up from her pie crust. That's a nice one. Let me see, who was buried there? Oh yes, that's Elmira Martin's grave. Before you can explain about the moving gravestones, a voice on the far side of the room makes you jump. The name is Elmira Martin, the voice says sharply. Not Elmira. You could never get my name right. Your mouth drops open. A strange woman, who sounds like that, yes I know, <laughs> now stands in the doorway that leads from the kitchen into the hall. A very strange woman, because she isn't a living, breathing woman. She's a ghost. Uh, Grandma, you begin. But from the way your granny is humming to herself, you can tell she doesn't hear or see the scary visitor. And don't you stare at me, you little wretch, the ghost says, pointing at you. Or you'll be sorry. Bloody hell, like, this got a real... <laughs> what? <laughs> what are you going to do? Suddenly, you're living in a haunted house. Okay. <laughs> it did take a very sudden Hey, like, it was like, it's casual. You've yeah. been seeing moving tombstones, things like that. You know, it's quite normal. The angel moved. Yeah, yeah. You can see ghosts also, uh, just so you know. <laughs> when did that start happening? Is this, right. a, is this a thing that happened before I entered my nana's house? 
This is a recent development. Did I just turn 13? What's going on here? <laughs> you just turned 13. You might have. You're a wizard. Jeremy. <laughs> I can't be a, a wizard. I'm a, I'm a what? <laughs> I'd like to roll for a perception shot. It's not D&D. No, that was the thing, though. There was also the D&D um, books in which you would play through, but you'd actually had to roll dice mm-hmm. in order to manage stuff. And there was, like, a little bit of, like, you know, ma- like you had to manage battles and, and conflicts and stuff. I remember those were quite cool as well. Right. I do like, because some of the other Give Yourself Goosebumps books, they do introduce other uh, concepts and different mechanics to mm. the game, which is always interesting to see quite how unique, they do it. Yeah. Now, you've actually been given your first actual option. You can either run outside on page 18, or you can talk to the ghost. Oh. Well, see, I want to talk to her, but she's like, don't you be staring at me, you But if I run outside, I don't know if that's a... I'm going to talk to the ghost. You're going to talk to the ghost? Let's do it. Awesome. We're turning to page 25. Why are you here? You ask the ghost. But your grandmother thinks you're talking to her. You know why I'm here? Your grandmother answers. I live here. Don't be such a goose. For some reason, your grandmother can't see Elvira. You've always wanted to have a special skill. But ghost spotting wasn't what you had in mind. <laughs> you try to think of a way to ask Elvira a question without having your grandmother think you're completely crazy, but you can't. So you keep staring at the ghost. She glares at you for a moment, then motions for you to follow her. You watch as she floats into the hall and up the stairs towards your room. Follow a ghost, you think? Are you nuts? Just the idea gives you a chill. And surprisingly, you've got another option. Oh my gosh. You can either follow the ghost, or you can race out of this house fast and go home. They really want you to run away. Uh, no, I'm going to follow the ghost. You're going to follow the ghost? Here we go. This could, you know, could be one of our shortest playthroughs, could be one of our longest. I never know. You follow Elvira to your room on the second floor. The moment you step into the bedroom, she slams the door. Then she whirls around to face you. Her eyes turn green and begin to glow. You back up, stumbling and fall onto the bed. You little wretch, she says. I don't want any trouble from you. Sparks seem to fly from her flashing green eyes. You shrink back into the pillows. Then Elvira gazes around the room. Yes, yes, she says. This will do nicely. What what do you mean, you stammer. Elvira floats towards the bed. She hovers over you. I'm taking over this room now, she tells you. Get out! You would love to leave, but you are shaking too hard to get up. Besides, you have to find out what's going on. Elvira is the only one who can explain it to you. Please, you beg, just tell me why you are here, and why are the graves moving? Shut up, she screeches, and get off that bed. I want to lie down. I haven't slept in a bed in 51 years. Uh Uh-oh, you realise. You aren't just dealing with a ghost here. You're dealing with a ghost in a very bad mood. Oh, no. Right? Not a bad mood. (laughs) 
heaven forbid. You better do what she says on page 72. Oof. You jump up from the bed. Elvira lays down, neatly spreading her white satin dress on the covers. Her long red hair fans out across the pillows. Ah, she sighs. A real bear. She shuts her eyes. You hope she doesn't sleep too long. You have so many questions to ask, and you hope she'll be in a better mood when she wakes up. She dozes for exactly two minutes. Then her eyes pop open. You notice they aren't glowing green anymore. Ah, Elvira says, that's better. Now that she's awake, you're not sure how to begin. You're almost too freaked out to speak. But you have to know. Why are the graves moving, you ask? What's going on? It's the curse of the creeping coffins, the ghostly woman answers. And we're moving into this house. All of us. All of us? Gulp? What does that mean? <laughs> Rush to page 106. This is definitely an, uh, a different kind of concept for a Give Yourself Goosebumps book. It wasn't what I was expecting it to be. It's getting weird, yeah. Yeah. What, what do you mean, all of you? You manage to stammer. You ask too many questions. Uh-oh. Elvira's eyes flash green again. Don't get in our way, and maybe we'll let you live. She soars up over your head and glares down at you. And don't go talking to that ghost hunter McFarley either. Elvira adds. Whoop, didn't know he was real until you mentioned his name. Now I'm going to have to go find him. In the next instant, <laughs> she floats backwards and disappears into the wall. McFarling, a ghost hunter, you are startled by a loud clumping footsteps above you. You glance up at the ceiling. The light fixture is shaking. It sounds as if a whole crowd wearing clunky boots is stomping around in the attic. Who could it be? And you have another option. Oh, no. If you want to find out about McFarling, turn to page 16. If you want to find out who's in the attic, turn to page 85. Hmm. Now, what would you do in this situation? Would you want to know about the ghost hunter, or would you go and investigate the spooky noise from the attic? So what would I do in this situation? I'd probably go find out who's in the attic, to be honest. I just like, yeah. Yeah, it's spooky. Like, I'm, like, I feel like it sets you up with that. Like, it's like, it's like, well, now you've got to go find out about this ghost hunter. But I'm like, I don't trust it in the book. Conveniently <laughs> tries to just say, hey, by the way. Right. So I'm like, no, nah, yeah, I'm going to go check out what's in the attic. You're going to check out the attic. Awesome. Well, we're turning to page 85, and we're going to find out what's going on in the attic. You decide to find out who is making all the noise in the attic. You glance around for something to use as a weapon. Let's see. Your grandmother has doilies, a rocking chair, pillows. Not much to choose from. Finally, you pick up a piece of rope that your mum used to tie your suitcases closed. You had no idea how a piece of rope could help, but it's all you've got. You've added it to your inventory. <laughs> The pounding of heavy feet over your head makes you wonder if you're making a mistake, but you have to find out who, or what, is in the attic. Slowly you climb the stairs. Dust from the attic steps, stirs in the air and makes you sneeze. Ah-choo! You say loudly. All at once, the stomping stops. The door to the attic bangs open. 
no! You scream when you see what's standing at the top of the stairs. Turn to page 92. I like how it knows I have a dust allergy. Bad book. <laughs> Bad book. R.L. Stein, it's getting too spooky, Stop man. Stop doing that. Uh, any guesses as to what's going to be at the top of the stairs? A ghost. You can't believe your eyes. At the top of the attic stairs is a ghost horse. <laughs> Make that plural horse. Uh, a huge wild stallion with its mane flying behind it. Foam drips from the stallion's mouth. Its eyes are wild with fury. The horse backs up a step, then rears up and lets out a terrible, angry cry. Its hooves crash down the clump of the attic floor. What the hell? Wait a minute, you think. Was there a horse buried in the cemetery? Then you remember an extra large gravestone with a headstone that read, There lies glory, too wild for the riders of this world. No kidding, you think. This horse looks like a killer. Quick, you're going to be trampled unless you do something. But what? Murder horse. It's gonna kill you. Ah, right. Nay! <laughs> Nay, I shall not be defeated by he. Oh, ghostly stallion. No, Glory, no. You've been given another set of options. They're really throwing some options at you this time. You get to either jump on Glory and ride him, or if you use the rope to lasso him. Well, I mean, I have a rope. <clears throat> Let's go. You're going to try and lasso the horse? Well, I mean, I can see and talk to ghosts. I think I can lasso. <laughs> a ghost. A ghost. I don't, you know, like... Here we go. We're actually the ghost hunter. That's, that's the joke. You are. You I was going to say McFarlane. That's not who it is. Seth McFarlane, the ghost yeah, It was hunter. something like that, though, wasn't it? Yeah, McFarley, I think. McGhosty. You start to swing the rope, hoping to lasso the wild ghost stallion. Are you kidding? Do you know how long it takes to learn how to lasso? And you don't even have that rope tied in the right kind of knot, do you? Admit it. Unless you've grown up on a dude ranch, or within 200 miles of a pack of wild stallions, you don't have a flat chance of lassoing this crazed animal. Did you grow up on a dude ranch? Oh god, that sounds so wrong. Dude ranch. That's what I'm going to name my cowboy thing, Gabe. Welcome to the dude ranch. If you were born in Colorado, Montana, or Wyoming, turn to page 58. If you were born anywhere else, turn to page 94. Well, 94 it is. <laughs> a little bit, um... You imagine being the person reading this, it's like, Hey, I'm in Wyoming! Cool! Right? <laughs> turn to page 94. And, like, and then it's going to be like, they know how to lasso. And then the person reading it, it's like, I actually don't know how to right? lasso. Do, do you know you how to lasso? Have you ever tried? No. Oh, well, maybe you should have prepared before you came in to read a Goosebumps book. I you? like it though. They're like, like, are you in Wyoming? Because you know how to last it. Yeah, <laughs> you're bloody Wyoming. Okay, so you're not a natural born cowboy. You're just a kid with a dumb rope in your hands and a foaming at the mouth horse about to trample you on the stairs. Hate it when that happens. Gosh. Sounds like a Tuesday. You wave the rope at the horse, using it like a wimpy whip. <laughs> you feel so stupid. You're surprised the horse doesn't start laughing. 
that someone does laugh. <laughs> you turn around and see a ghostly cowboy floating your way. Worst attempt I've ever seen, the cowboy says. You stare at him with your mouth open. He takes the rope from you. You want to lasso glory? You're going to need some lessons from an expert. Me! The cowboy gives the rope a sharp yank and flick. It lands around the stallion's neck. Cool, you cheer. Can you show me how to do that? Sure thing, partner, the cowboy answers. Now here's what you have to do. For the next hour, the ghost cowboy teaches you all about lassoing. Meanwhile, Grandma's downstairs like, that child needs Jesus, he sold drugs. <laughs> I'm in the attic being like, <laughs> oh no. When you think you're ready, try to lasso glory all by yourself on page 58. Well, I feel like we're ready, you know, we just spend an hour, an hour. training in ghost lasso, uh, special jujitsu. <laughs> right. You've gained a new skill, it's ghost lasso. See, I told you, ghost yeah. jujitsu lasso. Yeah. Good. Whoosh. The rope snaps through the air with a swish that flutters over Glory's head. The ghost stallion rears up with an angry whinny. You flick your wrist and give the rope a sharp yank. Bingo! You did it! Talk about heavy duty lassoing. Glory, Glory snorts and stamps his hooves, nearly lifting you off the ground. You hang on. It's a ghost. How are you lassoing a ghost? I right. don't understand. We know ghost lassoing. Also, didn't the cowboy lasso the ghost? Why did you spend an hour learning how to do it so we could... Uh, uh, he did it for us. Yeah, yeah now you're going to do it yourself. It's a bonding ritual. Using all your strength, you drag the ghost horse down the stairs. You pull him into the den where your grandmother is watching television. <laughs> Grandma, look, you shout. I've roped a ghost horse. <laughs> your grandmother gazes up from her television program and gives you a warm smile. Then she eyes the ghost horse. Now, you don't expect me to fall for that, she says. I know all about the gizmos you kids have these days. What is that, some kind of hologram or video game? See, I'm up to date. Hologram? Video game? Is she nuts? With a twinkle in her eye, your grandmother reaches, reaches for the TV remote control and aims it at the horse. She pushes a button. Showers of sparks shoot out of the remote. A cracking boom shakes the house. What has your grandmother done? Find out on page nine. Okay. Infrared <laughs> is like a laser beam for ghosts. I am so lost. <laughs> Grandma, no! <laughs> Not my glory! Oh. Oh. When the dust settles, you are stunned by what you see. Glory, the ghost alien, has doubled in size. <laughs> And he was already a big horse. Neat trick, your grandmother says. That's quite a gadget. She gets up and heads for the kitchen. I'm going for a soda, she tells you. Want one? No, no thanks, you stammer. You stare at Glory. That giant horse towers over you, pouring the rug. What button did you push? You shout to your grandmother. Oh, I don't know, she calls back. I think it was the one that turns up the sound. Okay, you think? Volume. Maybe if I turn the sound down, your finger hovers over the volume button. You hesitate. What if pushing the button will make the horse bigger? What if more ghost horses appear? Got a better idea? You push the volume button down. 
push the button on page five. See, that seems like the perfect option to give you a choice. Do you want to A. Turn the volume up again or B. Turn the volume down. <laughs> Can I push the power button? <laughs> to your amazement, it works. The horse grows smaller. Hey, cool. You push the volume button down again. Like magic, the ghost horse grows even smaller. Wow. You shout. Wow. You start pushing other buttons on the TV remote control. That's not safe. Yeah. <laughs> oh, damn. You can hardly wait to see what will happen. Unbelievably, when you press the channel button, the one that moves up to the next channel, the ghost horse changes into something else. A ghostly kung fu master. You said ghost horse jujitsu lassoing. Boom! You've got it. You've read this, haven't you? <laughs> ghost horse jujitsu. It's a kung fu ghost. Ma oh my gosh! Do we get to spend an hour learning kung fu <laughs> ghost jitsu now? Is when this you happening? press the button again, the kung fu ghost changes into the ghost of an Egyptian pharaoh. This is amazing! You claim. Then you press it one more time. Uh oh, big mistake. Turn to page 129. Oh no, what have we done now? Any other weird prophecies you want to make about what kind of things you might turn this ghost horse, kung fu master, Egyptian pharaoh into? Why do I feel like it's just going to be Alvira like, <laughs> again, like just coming back and it'll be like, once again, here's RL Stein showing he has a mad fetish for that chick and then her TV show. But I mean, mm -hmm. come on. Is it because it's Al is it Alvira? Alvira, Alvira yeah. yeah, Alvira. And she did all the horror shows. Yeah. Loved that. She had the look, you know, the black hair, yeah. the, the like iconic vampiress. Yeah, kind yeah, of yeah, look. definitely yeah. like Dracula's wife. That was mm. the look, yeah. RuPaul's Dracula. Oof. This time, the remote control changes the Egyptian pharaoh king into a Neanderthal man. Shit. You recognize him from all the science books at school. Yeah, yeah. That, that one specifically, you know, is the guy yeah, they yeah. always write about. Neanderthal A. No, that's his name, Neanderthal. <laughs> hey, I know you. <laughs> Big hairy guy, slumpy shoulders, long arms, huge wooden club. Huge wooden club? Yup. And he's swinging it at your head. <laughs> Think fast. Do you change the channel again, or do you try the mute button? Mute. Mute button. He begins to wail on your head silently. <laughs> um... <laughs> Okay, let's change the channel again. Let's do this. Yep. See what we get next. Okay, well, changing the channel will take you to page 111. And if I know anything about police, that is the police number. Yeah, em emergencies. That's right. You press the button to change the channel again. Unfortunately, you've run out of channels. <laughs> Even with direct TV, a satellite dish, and all the cable channels in the universe combined, you can only go so far. Then you hit the end of the line. 257,000 channels and nothing on. So when you press the button for a higher channel, nothing happens. The Neanderthal man doesn't change into anything else. And you know what that means. It means you've just been hit in the head with a big ugly club. Ow, that hurt. And he's taking aim again. Oh well. That's what you get for trying to survive this ugly episode by pushing buttons. Seriously, didn't it even occur to you to just duck? <laughs> it didn't give me the option to duck! <laughs> the end. <laughs>
You just got bonked by a caveman. This is brilliant. I just, I'm like, what is, what is, what are the things that are going on here? Because we got ghosts. Are they physical? Because we're tying ropes around them. They are hitting they're, me physically. They're laying down on beds. This is, this is wild. Yeah. I'm trying like, what kind of ghosts are we dealing with here, people? Because right. they're clearly not like ephemeral. They're corporeal. They're corporeal ghosts. Now, isn't that a zombie? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Something we do on Pick a Path is we know that sometimes you don't last long in these books because the options don't lead you to where you think they're going. No. So we do always bring our guests back for a second life. Let's go. Meaning that you can choose any of the options that you've been given in your adventure so far and take a different route. Okay. This one's for the viewers or listeners, I should say. We're going to go back and we're going to pick the ghost hunter. So we're going to go research the ghost hunter. Good answer, I think. Maybe. There was definitely like, like, a, like a, it came up and it was like, oh, I feel like that's what the listeners are going to want to see, but... We're not doing that. Yeah, yeah. Not yet, anyway. Now we can, see? Oh, bonus. This is what happens when you sit till the end of the credits, people. <laughs> you get a second... You get the better part of the movie. Oh, well, hopefully. <laughs> some of the second deaths have been better. Some of them have been worse. Was it good? Greatest scene in entire, uh, like, is it Marvel Universe? Or DC with Thor and all the Marvel? Marvel. So the greatest scene in all of the Marvel Universe so far. The scene where they're all sitting there at the end, like having a chimichanga or something. Because yeah. like, there was that. Like, and that line, actually, if people who know their trivia know, wasn't actually in the script. Mm -hmm. Robert Downey Jr. just kind of, have you ever tried blah, blah, blah? And then they were like, okay, we need this scene. So they yep. filmed it and it single-handedly greatest shot right. in, in history of I those films. I, I love it, yeah. Now, the Give Yourself Goosebumps books always have over 20 spine-chilling conclusions. You've seen one, you will get to come across another, and that still means there's at least 18 endings that people at home can listen to for, and play through themselves. So, of course, support the official books. Buy them. Get out there. Hunt them down. Find them. Collect mm -hmm. them. So you find yourself back in your bedroom with Alvira, which, under any other circumstances, would be a fun time. However, she's disappeared, and you want to go and find out about McFarling on page 16. So that's where we're going. I feel like we should just call him McFarling, and then like as if like Seth McFarling just shows up <laughs> in the middle of the book, like, "Hey guys, he could do that. He could. A ghost hunter. That is exactly what you need. But how are you going to find this McFarling guy? You dash out of your room and run downstairs as fast as you can. You rush back into the kitchen. Grandma, you gasp, almost out of breath. Do you know someone named McFarling? Oh, don't go talking to me about Mac, Mac McFarling, she says. That loon, he came around here last month. Told me he thought my house would be haunted soon. Said something about a curse, too. Can you imagine that? I don't want you going anywhere near that man. Ugh, let's face it. Granny's not going to be much help. So you race into the hall where she keeps her telephone books. You flip through the yellow pages. On a hunch, you look up ghosts. Bingo. There he is, under ghost exterminations. Mac McFarling, ghost hunter. There may be hope after all. Grandma's a ghost. Oh, you're calling it? Yeah. Mm. I don't know if I can get that ending, but I'm telling you. I'll speed it to the book. <laughs> Grandma's not even alive either. Shit. As long as you can get out of the house before Elvira finds out what you're doing. Shh. 
tiptoe out the door on page 33. <laughs> 33 times 2 is 66 out of 6. 666. <gasps> confirmed. Luckily, everything in your grandma's small town is within biking distance. 20 minutes later, you've biked over to Mac McFarling's office. Can we be in a bike this whole time? Oh my god, I would have just been going for a bike ride. Then I wouldn't have to worry about any of this. <laughs> right, you wouldn't have been bored if you'd have gone Dick, on your bike. Dude. 20 minutes later, you've biked over to Mac McFarling's office, which happens to be located in his garage. <laughs> you knock on the side door of the garage. Come in, a voice calls. You yank open the door. Wow, you think when you see him. Mac McFarling has frizzy, kinky blonde hair kinky. Sti sticking out all over his head. He's wearing six earrings, a nose ring, and a pair of heavy black framed glasses with blue lenses in them. He's about 20 years old. So that's why your grandma didn't like him. He's cool. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. He's got six fucking facial piercings. This guy knows some <laughs> thick black. Frame glasses. And those, that, that, those kinky locks on yeah. top of his head. Mm -mm. Yeah. Mm -mm. Cool. What's up? Mac Farling asks. You look just like you've seen a ghost. <laughs> Sorry, just a little ghost hunting humor. You explain about Alvira and that she told you the ghosts are going to take over your grandmother's house. I've been expecting this, McFarling says, shaking his head. I tried to warn your grandmother. Can you help us, you plead? His eyes are hidden behind the blue lenses. You can't tell what he's thinking. Will Mac McFarling help you? Find out on page 37. <gasps> bum, bum, bum. Oh no, now you don't know how to lasso either because you didn't yeah, have we, that training session. Yeah, we're in a different different timeline. Element. Element. Now we're in water. <laughs> that was air. <laughs> this is water. Potassium. Burn the house down for fire. No. <laughs> <laughs> Suddenly, McFarling swings into gear. He picks up a strange electronic box and heads for the door. Come on, he says. We've got to hurry. Let's go. Finally, someone who can help you. You feel better already. McFarling jumps into his car, an old VW bug. You hop on your bike. As you ride to your grandmother's house, he drives along beside you. He rolls down the window and talks to you the whole time. Have the gravestones been moving around? He asks. Yes, you exclaim. So you're not crazy. Why are they doing that? I'm not sure, he says. I've only seen it once before. But I think they're moving into position to spell out some, some kind of message or curse. Graves can spell? That doesn't sound possible. But you're ready to believe anything now. How can we stop them, you ask Mac. It won't be easy, he tells you. You were afraid of that. Turn to page 45. Wow, the graves can spell. Mm. First, McFarling explains, you'll have to fight the Keeper of the Sword. That's one of the ghosts. You need to get the special sword and use it to stop the MPG. What's the MPG, you ask? The most powerful ghost, <laughs> McFarling says. It's a term for the spirit who has control over a graveyard. Once you have the sword, Mac continues, you must plunge it into the grave of the MPG. But you've got to hurry. 
because when all the graves have moved into position and spelled out the message, it'll be too late. The curse will be complete, and after that, you'll never be able to get the ghosts back into their graves. Your head is spinning, just from what Mac has told you, but you nod as if you understand. You've arrived at your grandmother's house. McFarling stops his car and hops out. You get off your bike and park it. McFarling faces your grandmother's house and switches on the funky electronic box he's carrying. Red dials light up, then you hear a loud beeping sound. Uh-oh, McFarling says. Major trouble, give me a dollar. And you've been given an option. You can give McFarling a dollar, or you can refuse to give him money. What? Don't you hate it when they give you, like, a, two options, but none of them have any kind of, like, backing for well, it? It was just like, for me personally, I'm like, I'm fucking giving this guy a dollar. Some crazy drug-fueled teenager that mm -hmm. knows way too much for a situation that... Uh, he's 20. No, but I mean, like, he's talking about this like this has happened before. Mm -hmm. If this has happened before, he would know what to do. So why is he just milling about like a lazy teenager mm -hmm. and then getting me to do It's very, like, what, like, he thought the old lady was going to get the, the sword and take out the MPG? Like, right. I don't know, like, I feel like if he was in the position to deal with this and knows what he knows, he would have done something. When I read MPG, from me. I did think multiplayer game. <laughs> A MPG multiplayer game. Oh, yeah, I know that ghost. Yeah, yeah. It's a tricky one, tricky one. So what do you think you're going to do, Molly? Are you going to give Mac Farling a dollar, or well, are you going through a few of money? You know, when... Because I'm like, this book, right, it tells me what's in my inventory. I found rope, and it said, you put rope in your inventory. Do I even have any money? You don't have rope anymore. Yeah, I know, but, like, do I have any money? No, you, you didn't know, even I know could be you had a, a... I could be completely broke. I was very bored. If mm. I had money, I could have done something. Yeah. I don't think I even have a dollar. You but, didn't even know you had a bike. I'm going to give this guy a dollar, and if R.L. Stein then tells me we don't have a dollar, I'm going to be like, see, I know it. <laughs> well, here we go. We're going to go and try and give Mac Farling a he dollar. He needs a dollar for his little electronic machines, and he can't kill ghosts unless he pays a dollar for the machine to like, kill them, you know. <laughs> Ghost Ghostbuster rentals, you know. You reluctantly hand McFarling a dollar bill. He folds the dollar in half twice, then he jams it into a tiny slot on his electronic box. See? A minute later, the beeping stops. The box spits the dollar back out. Thanks, McFarling says. The spirit counter was jammed. He gives the dollar back to you. Weird, you think, but it seems to have worked. <laughs> then McFarling stares at the red dials on his machine. Bad news, kid, McFarling says finally. By my count, there are ten ghosts in the house already. That's way over my limit. You're on your own. He starts back towards his car. The fuck? Wait, you call after him. You can't leave me here. Please, you have to help me. McFarling hesitates for a minute. Then he shrugs. Okay. Well, bro, this guy is wasted. He, he's not a ghost hunter. He's a, he's a half-depressed 22-year-old that's like, I like the occult now. Ooh. <laughs> Five years later, there's a documentary about this guy on Netflix. And it's, it's weird. This is what I'm willing to do. I'll help you make a map of the graveyard. Come on. A map of the graveyard? It fucking moves. It's what for, you wonder? But you don't ask any questions. You just follow Mac into the cemetery and do what he tells you. An hour later, you've got a drawing of the first four rows of gravestones. To see the map, turn to page 127. But it's all going to move. It's like so. a map of a moving... 
I guess to see if this it's already spelling something out or not. True, that could be a thing. Now, this is going to be one of those things where on an audio podcast it's really interesting and it's going to be us looking at a map. <laughs> I, we will attempt to describe the map. I'm going to hand you this book now so that you can have a lovely little read of the names on these gravestones. Okay, we have somewhat a map. So going from Grandma's house, we've got the entrance of the graveyard and there's three tombs in the first row. We've got Rachel Young, Thomas Owen... Patrick Unger. Oh, I hate them. I want to note that Patrick Unger has a broken flower on his, <gasps> which is unique because the rest have nothing around them. Mm. Then in the second row, we've got four tombstones. Ben Wong, Elizabeth Ives, John Luckmeyer, and Jane Luckmeyer. Oh, they've got the same last name. Mm. Siblings or lovers, yeah, do you Yeah, I was about to say, must be brother and sister. Can't yeah. be married. That's too Can't. uncanny. Yeah. That's too uncanny. <laughs> In the third row, we have two tombstones, Mary Dawson and Gregory Ives. Coming into the last row, there are four, Archibald Swope, Nancy Ottoman, Chester Ottoman, and Robert North. And then obviously it goes, it says here, rest of graveyard, but there's nothing there. <laughs> ah, helpful. It just goes off the page there. Thanks, Mac MacFarlane. Okay, so three, four, two, four. Rachel, Thomas, Patrick, Ben, Elizabeth, John. I'm just trying to see if there's anything about this that looks like a message, you know? Alright, I, I don't know what it's going to ask of you. I don't know if it's going to make you try and remember any of these. If I read the first two letters of each name <laughs> that are capitalised, it says, Righto, poo, buh, ei, jul, jul, mid, gias, no, co, run. And if you no place... corn, no corn, <gasps> no corn. And if you play that backwards, what it says is this. Rush up, Hail R.L. Stein. <laughs> if you choose to continue this book, you will die a painful and horrible death. Seven in a really days. old age. <laughs> well, that's nice. <laughs> So we're going to turn to page 65 now that you've read what the map says. To be honest, the map didn't really give much away. No. Just Did you notice like there were two didn't... Ives in there? In different rows mm. of the graveyard, but there's yeah. an Elizabeth Ives and a Gregory Ives yeah, I did in notice, the row down. did notice that. Do you think they're also brother and sister? Same with the Ottomans. Yeah, there's a lot of, a lot of siblings. Yeah. Sibling theme. I don't, I don't like that we can't see the uh, broken angel. Yeah, that's not even there. We can't see Glory the Horse. No. What, which one of them is the uh, cowboy? Mm. I honestly have no idea. Archibald Swope is a lovely name. I feel like that's the cowboy. Anyway. Yeah. I am Archibald Swope. <laughs> We're turning to page 65. You stare down at the map of Graham. You stare down at the map of gravestones in your hand. You wonder how it can possibly help. Big trouble, Max says, Lee peering over your shoulder. The message is already almost completely spelled out. What message, you ask, puzzled. Look at these first four rows, he says, pointing at the paper. The rest of the graves don't matter. That's why I didn't put them on the map. Take a pen and circle the first letter of the last name of each tombstone. It spells out a message. Don't you see? See, I, do, I, I just tried to... 
No, you don't see, and you won't see until you do it. So do it! Turn to the map on page 127, circle the first letter of the last name on each tombstone. It will spell out a message, or part of one. Okay, see, so there is a I'll message. I'll hand it back to you now so you can try and figure out what that message is. There okay. you go. Okay. Oh, see, no, that, oh, man. Oh, here we go, read it out for us. The letters oh, first. bro, there's only one tombstone missing. Go on, give us oh. the letters first. Okay. Rachel Young, Y, Thomas Owen, O, Patrick Unger, U. So that spells the word U. U. Ben Wong, W, Elizabeth Ives, I, John Luckmeyer, L, Jane Luckmeyer, L, W I L L. You will. Will. Mary Dawson, Gregory Ives, D I. You will, D. Archibald you will Swift, be. Die. S. Nancy Ottoman, O. Chester Ottoman, O. Robert North, N. Soon. So you will die soon. However, the tombstone with the E is the only thing missing. Oh, no, and die? Yeah. So there's only one tombstone oh, no. missing from the message, which is you will die soon. Which means we're looking for a tombstone with the letter I saw, like, the last to say, literally, no. Uh, no. No corn. corn. Yeah. No. Yeah. That's pretty good. I think that's the real message in, in all yeah, of this. Yes, I'm pretty sure it is. If we plant corn, <laughs> the people will come. When you've discovered the message, turn to page 91. So you've discovered the message, Molly. Congrats. I want to die. You don't want to die? No. Well, you shouldn't have played Give Yourself Goosebumps, because <laughs> there seems to be a lot of deaths in these. I'm going to sneeze. <laughs> Dust allergy. Oh no, you gasp. You stare at the map and at the message spelled out on the gravestones. You will die soon. But the die is obviously only D-I and no E. So that's the terrible oh message. Oh my god, I'm going to D-I soon. <laughs> Driving influence? <gasps> yeah. Damn. So that's the terrible message the graves are moving around to spell. And is the you, you? Or is the curse directed at your grandma? Either way, it's super bad news. Mac, you say, there's only one letter missing. Only one more coffin has to creep into place. And then... Then the curse will be complete, Mac says. He turns and walks back to his car. Wait, you call after him. He stops, but only long enough to pull out a business card. Here, he says, call me after you defeat the Keeper of the Sword. Then I'll tell you what to do next. Then he jumps back into his VW bug, leaving you standing in front of your grandmother's house. Oh, he calls as he starts to drive off. Two things to remember. Be sure to find out the name of the Keeper of the Sword and stay away from the Luckmeyer twins. The Luckmeyer twins, you think? Ugh. There you go, they were twins. Told you. Yeah. Told you, brother, sister vibes. The Luckmeyer twins, you think? If you've met the Luckmeyer twins already, turn to page eight. If you haven't met them, turn to page 64. Well, no, see, I know, I happen to know, R.L. Stein has this really nasty habit of messing with twins. Hmm. He, like, he has an obsession, like, like lots of his writing. I he, mean, there's twins everywhere. It's one of those things where it's easy to make it spooky, I guess. And twins, too. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, was it Stephen double, King? Double, and, 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 and trouble. Well, like, any twin, really, mm -hmm. just freaks you out. So you obviously haven't met the Luckmeyer twins, unless you have and haven't told me about it. <laughs> so we're going to turn to page 64. Keep away from the Luckmeyer twins. That should be easy. No problem. Twins are pretty easy to spot. 
then it hits you. Do they always stick together? Are they guys or girls? And how old are they? No way to know. Hmm, maybe this will be more difficult than you thought. You slink into your grandmother's house. You feel creepy, <laughs> knowing the place is loaded with ghosts. And how are you going to find the keeper of the sword? You don't have a clue. Your head swims as you wander up to the second floor. Bam! Bam! <laughs> a door bangs open. It nearly hits you in the head. You jump back and peer into a hall closet. Don't go in there! A voice behind you warns. You whirl around and see a ghost! A teenager from another time. He's dressed in an old-fashioned black velvet suit with a frilly white shirt. His hair is slicked back and combed neatly behind his ears. He's smiling, but it's a sneaky smile. Should you listen to him? If you stay out of the closet, turn to page 12. If you see what's in the closet, turn to page 26. Now, I've had a lot of experience with closets, and sometimes you've got to stay out of them, and sometimes you have to stay in them. It all depends on the ghosts. But you get to make this choice now. I'm going to stay out of the closet. Wow. Because, fuck that. <laughs> right? This is where it's like, R.L. Stein is super homophobic. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> oh my god, speaking of that, like, was it like... J.K. Rowling made Stephen a comment King. online. Stephen King was like, yeah, retweet. That's a cool comment. And J.K.'s like, I love Stephen King. Look at this man being an awesome man. And mm -hmm. Stephen King was like, transgender woman. A oh, woman. woman. And <laughs> instantly J.K.'s like, unfriend. Wow. Big You realise you wrote Harry Potter and the LGBTQ community is probably your biggest buyer. Mm -hmm. Bad choice. Wow, is Bad it choice. that Daniel Radcliffe wrote the Harry Potter books? It just like blew my mind now. Like that J.K. Rowling's the last person you'd expect to be like that close-minded. Yep. Wow. It's just like no, J.K. Rowling. Why are you doing this? Hey, like, Can't be that. So, yeah, disappointing. Either way, we're going to be staying out of the closet and turning to page twelve. Let's go. Which means you're listening to the ghost. Let's see how this goes. You decide to trust this guy. He's a little weird looking, but he seems harmless, even if he is a ghost. I'm John, the boy says. Oh, fuck, it's a Luckmeyer. Is it? John Luckmeyer and Lucy Luckmeyer. Mm. You've got to get away from here. That closet is filled with horrible spirits. Quick, close the door and hide in the basement. <laughs> <laughs> you do as he says, slamming the closet door hard. Then you run down the stairs to the kitchen, then into the basement. Why right down here, you wonder? As you look around the dump, dump. As you look around the damp, grungy old basement beneath your grandmother's house, you've never liked this place. It's cold. It's dark. But even worse are the big, ugly crickets. They get in from through outside. Bleh. They get in from outside through the cracks in the basement walls. Then they hop all over the basement. You hate them. Uh, how come we have to hide down here, you ask. That's when you realise that John isn't with you. John, you call. Bam! You whirl around and see the basement door slam shut. Click! And lock. That ghost has locked you in. Turn to page 20. Ah, <laughs> crap. <laughs> I like that I like, don't go in the closet. That's far too dangerous. Go to the basement. <laughs> you like... Good idea. Right. If there's a ghost down here, it's a boostment. Help, you cry. Let me out. You turn to see if there's another way out of the basement. Gross. 
Those disgusting crickets are hopping everywhere. There must be hundreds of them. The chirping is enough to make you crazy. Can you do a cricket noise? Just wondering. I think so. <clears throat> I mean, that's pretty amazing. Yeah, also, yeah, <laughs> good. I suppose you could do like a higher pitch and it would sound more accurate. But... Yeah, crickets. crickets. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> cool. There must be hundreds of them. The chirping is enough to make you crazy. They hop from the windowsills. They jump up and down the stairs. They pounce from the sink to the floor. From the floor to a chair. Jump, jump, jump. Ugh. One lands on your head. Yuck, you scream. You swipe at your head. Get off me! More greenish-brown crickets hop around your feet. You bang on the basement door. Let me out of here! <laughs> you hear John snickering on the other side. What a creep, you think. Then it dawns on you. Hey, John, you call through the door. What's your last name? <laughs> Luck, Maya, the ghost answers. I told you! Figures. Mac McFarling was right. Uh-oh. John Luckmire mumbles on the other side of the basement door. Here comes trouble. What now? You have enough trouble already in the form of a teenage ghoul. <laughs> Go on to page 68. Uh-oh. Here comes trouble. She's just a teenage ghoul and a teenage ghoul. I'm thinking in my head like teenage ghouls. Why does that sound like the worst TV show ever? I kind of love it. Oh. Isn't that um, I Zombie or whatever? <laughs> Ick. Another cricket plops on your head. Let me out, you yell again, pounding on the door. Immediately the door swings open. Uh-oh. The ghost was right. Trouble has arrived in a big way. Want to make any guesses? The horse. <laughs> it's your grandma. Oh, and she's steaming mad. What in heaven's name are you up to? Your grandmother scolds. You glance past her into the kitchen and see what she means. The whole place is a mess. Flour is scattered all over the floor. Pots and pans are stacked on the chairs and table. Every single item that was in the refrigerator is sitting on the kitchen counter. What on earth have you done? Your grandmother demands, pointing at the huge mess. Behind her back, you see the ghostly John Luckmire with a big grin plastered across his smirking face. Quick, what are you going to tell her? Do you decide to make up a story, or do you decide to tell the truth? Tell the truth. You're going to tell the truth? We're heading over to page 112, which is one more than the emergency number that you died on last time. No. You decide to tell your grandmother the truth. Wait a minute, are you kidding? You're going to tell your grandmother that her house is haunted, that the big mess in the kitchen was a ghoulish prank, that there are so many ghosts around that Mac McFarling, professional ghost hunter, wouldn't take the case? You're really going to tell her that? Oh, really? Wow, R.L. Stein's getting sassy. Well, just try it. Go tell your parents or your grandparents the same story. See if they believe you. Ha! Then when you get done laughing, you can start reading again on page 71 and try to learn a little lesson from this. You should always try to tell the truth, but sometimes the truth is too unbelievable to tell. <laughs> like any time ghosts are involved, that's when you have to be a little creative. Turn to page 71. <laughs> I was about to say, if this kills me, I would be like, that is the dumbest way to die. Like, right. You told the truth. Don't do that. <laughs> <laughs>
Uh, I was going to make dinner for you, Grandma, you say. If you told the truth, she'd think you were lying. Then you'd be in even bigger trouble. Well, your grandmother's face begins to soften. Then John Luckmeyer floats over to you. Before you realise what he's doing, John picks up one of your grandmother's best china teacups. He knocks it to the floor right by your hand. The teacup lands with a horrible crash. Oh no. You o you start to open your mouth to explain, but then another ghost appears on the other side of you. This one is a girl. She's wearing an old-fashioned long white linen dress. Her hair is braided and the braids are wrapped around her head three times. Hello, she says with a snicker. I'm Jane Luckmeyer. Uh -huh. Great, you think. Another one, trapped between the Luckmeyer twins. She picks up the china saucer that goes with the teacup John just smashed. Then she tosses it like a frisbee across the room. Somehow she makes it look like you threw it. The saucer crash lands at your grandmother's feet. That's it, your grandmother says. Go to your room. Turn to page 124. Yeah, the twins are kind of fucking you over. <laughs> hey. <laughs> I like that, you know, reading through the map, you were like, oh no, the Luckmeyer twins are going to be the ones. Little did we know. You hurry into the hall and start up the stairs towards your room, but something stops you. A terrible chill in the air. A cold so cold you feel as if it will freeze your blood and bones. An instant later, 13 howling ghosts appear. They float out of the walls and come towards you. They are all shapes and sizes, but they have one thing in common. They are all terrifying. No, you want to cry. You can't, This can't be happening. Your knees shake so much you almost fall down, but somehow you manage to run. Ghostly arms reach for you as you race out the front door into the front yard where the sky is growing dark. For the next ten minutes you huddle under a big tree trying to think. Mostly you just think one thing. Get me out of here. But you know you can't go home. Your parents are away on vacation. Besides... Sorry. <clears throat> your parents are away on vacation. Besides, you can't leave your grandmother here all alone. Not with those creeping coffins. Which means you've got to go back into that house. You've got to get rid of the ghosts. And you've got to find the keeper of the sword before it's too late. Go to page 102. <laughs> See, I'm kind of glad you did go back to where you went back. Because now you're actually getting the curse of the creeping coffin. Like yeah, you're getting, getting back through story, that. Because yeah, it getting... kind of went way off from that. You know, like Some tangent. weird tangent. Like, Using... TV remote. Yeah. <laughs> Using the back door, you quietly slip into the house. Then you sneak up the back staircase to the second floor. Back staircase? You've got two staircases. You peek around the corner carefully. You don't want to run into the Luckmeyers. When you are sure the coast is clear, you start up the stairs towards the attic. As soon as you step into the stairway, you see a huge... <clears throat> you see a huge soldier standing at the top of the third floor landing. His uniform is old-fashioned. Civil War, you guess. And judging from the medals pinned to his grey jacket, this guy knows what he's doing. And what he's doing right now is pulling a sword from its holder. The sword is about five feet long. The handle is mother of pearl, encrusted with sapphires. The blade gleams. Even in the darkness you can see that it's dangerously sharp. The enormous soldier points the sword at you. The enormous soldier points the sword at your heart. Do not advance. One more step. Unless you are willing to die, he booms. Ah, go on to page 104. Oh my. Right, hey, you've made it to what I'm assuming is the uh, Keeper of the Sword. 
you can't take your eyes off the sword. The longer you stare at it, the more your legs shake. Then it dawns on you. This soldier must be the keeper of the sword. So what are you going to do? Run and hide? Definitely. Trembling in fear, you start to back up. That's when you feel a sharp point sticking you in the back. You're right between your shoulder blades. Ouch! You cry out, turning around. Big trouble. Behind you is another ghost. And this one's dressed in a fencing costume. White canvas pants, a me wire mesh mask, leather gloves. On guard, the new ghost says. The voice echoes all around you. On guard, on guard, on guard. Hello, on guard. my name is Inigo Montoya. <laughs> you killed my father, prepare to die. Oh, From the voice, uh-oh, I should have read this sentence first. I'll say it again. On guard, the new ghost says. The voice echoes all around you. From the voice, you know this ghost is a woman. Then you realise something. She has a sword too. Two ghosts, two swords, both dangerous. But only one has the sword you need. Which one? Do you think the fencer is the keeper of the sword? Or do you think it's the soldier? And this is your choice. Hmm. It's a tough one. Again, there's very little context clues as to which of these two is going to be keeper of the sword. Well, see, here's the thing. Like, civil rights... Civil War? Civil War. Civil they had... Yeah. yeah, Civil War. Had swords, I think. But it was like... I feel like it was not like a common thing. Like, you know, it was more like they had the, the spear on the end of their, their guns as opposed to actual swords. Mm -hmm. I know there were swords in the Civil War, though. I'm sure of it. Like, yeah. But a fencer... They are, you know, sword have the fighters and stuff, swords, but usually yeah. they don't have swords. They have a fencing sword, which has yeah. a little ball a little on the ball end, on the end stuff. to stop it being sharp and hurty. Mm, but she poked me with something sharp. That's true. She does just have a sword, it says, so I don't know. I'm going to go with the fencer. <laughs> don't know why I whispered, ooh! I don't, yeah, I think the fencer, just purely because like she's obviously got a real sword as well, and that's a little unique for a fencer. Yeah. Well, we're going to be turning to page 99 to check out this fencer. You decide to duel with the woman in the fencing costume. She's not as big as the soldier. On guard yourself, you cry. Go on, give us that. <laughs> on guard yourself, yeah. <laughs> it's a uh, touche. <laughs> you notice that as soon as you shout at the woman, the soldier ghost vanishes. The fencer glides towards you, approaching slowly. You feel around desperately for something you can use as a weapon. The whole time you keep your eyes glued to the sharp tip of her sword. Or rather, her foil. That's what a fencing sword is called. Thanks for explaining that to us. Very happy. The fencer keeps coming towards you slowly. Slowly. Beads of sweat break out along your upper lip. The tip of the foil wavers slightly as if the fencer was deciding on the perfect spot to stab you. Finally, your fingers grasp something leaning against the wall. An umbrella. It's not much, but it'll have to do. You grab it and strike a fencing pose. On guard, you shout again. The fencer freezes, her foil raised. Then in a flash, she lunges at you. Quick, find out if you're still alive on page 122. <laughs> I mean, at that point, I would literally like pop open the umbrella and start spinning it. That's pretty good. Because the chances are that sword's going to come through the umbrella and then it might... To flick it out of your hand, yeah, kind of. Just spinning the umbrella as well. Oh, I kind of love that for a little fight scene. Right, like, you know, ha! Ha-ha! They're yeah. like, okay, I didn't think you'd actually pull this off with a Way to go, Mary Poppins. You, watch out. you should see me with a frying pan. The tip of the blade slices right through your neck. Oh, fuck. Okay, you can open... <laughs> yeah, right? 
Okay, you can open your eyes now. Good news, you're still alive and you never felt a thing. You know why? This upsets me. You know why? The fencer is a ghost. She's not solid. She's eerie. See-through. And so is her weapon. You pick up your umbrella and slice back. You lunge forward, poking your umbrella right between her ribs. <gasps> but your umbrella has the same effect on her that the foil has on you. None! There's no point in keeping up this duel. Neither of you can win. You put down your umbrella. Are you the keeper of the sword? You ask her. Yes. She says. <laughs> she reaches up and pulls off her mask. You gasp and your stomach turns over. She doesn't have a face <coughs> because she doesn't have a head. Oh, <laughs> yes, this is the sword you need, she tells you. You wonder where her voice is coming from. Very headless Nikki. <laughs> and I will give it to you if you can find my head. Is she kidding? What are the chances? Maybe you should just try to grab the sword. Do you grab the sword? Or do you go looking for her head? Well, I think we're going to find the head, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Again, this is not where I expected this to go. And how dare they now pull the... It's a ghost. Right? They're non-corporeal. I want to talk about that for a second because so far in this whole journey, mm -hmm. every ghost we've dealt with has yep. been pretty like physically interactive. Oh, we've yeah. lassoed horses. You've lassoed horses. Our like, wire is laid on your bed. Yeah, we, yeah, we've been pushed and like, like bumped around and stuff yep. by them as well. The luckmires were picking up china and moving everything out of the... Around. So like, Her sword pressed up against your back right? and you felt and it, and, it, and we it. felt how sharp it was. Mm -hmm. But then she swings out my neck and now all of a sudden it's like, it's a mirror. I'm like, you. yeah, come on, man. Like, uh, these ghosts are just picking and yeah. choosing when they want to be corporeal versus bloody hell. Okay, you tell her. I'll find your head. Wait here. But where should you look? You dash up the stairs to the attic. It's the only room you haven't been in since you arrived. Ha, oh, little do they know. Yeah, <laughs> in a past life. And you definitely <laughs> would have noticed a head if you'd seen one. You rummage around in the attic. You search through everything. Twice. Trunks of old clothes, piles of old furniture, golf clubs, no ghost head. You reckon? <laughs> right? You glance around the dusty room. Think. There may not be much time left. If I were a ghost head, where would I be, you ask yourself. Well, Molly, if you were a ghost head, where would you be? In the ghost head museum. Oh, of course. That is a very R.L. Stein thing to do. Oh, you didn't think to look in the ghost head museum? Uh, 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 it's literally one of my books. <laughs> like, 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 Goosebumps 42 Ghost, ghost head, head Museum. museum. Like, just... There's actually only 42 books in the Give Yourself Goosebumps series, so interesting that you chose that number. That and there's unique. eight special editions after that, which are the ones that introduce mm. dice rolling and other mechanics. Do you remember the one, the, the Goosebumps book? I don't know if it's, it wasn't a choose your own, but the, 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 the one with the, the kid goes to the costume shop and it's the... The, 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 the Haunted Mask? Yeah, that was so good. And they, mm -hmm. they turned that into an episode. Oh, that yeah. was a good episode. Very. I remember those masks being very well done, like mm -hmm. too well done. That was not cool. Yeah, they sell them online, actually. Yeah, they do. Yeah, yeah. they're real skin tight. You suddenly spot a large moose head sitting on the floor by a broken chair. You kneel down to examine the moth-eaten moose head. Up close, it looks even worse. The antlers are cracked and one eye is missing. It is filthy and has a musty odour. It's not even human. But what choice do you have? It's the only head here. Besides, you're in a big hurry. You've got to get the sword before the coffins creep again. You grab the moose head and race downstairs. Your only hope is that the keeper of the sword won't be furious when she sees the head you brought her. Cross your fingers for luck and turn to page 80. Okay. 
Are you going to do that? Yeah. Ah, there we go. <laughs> l- l- listeners at home, Molly crossed her fingers. Only on one hand, though. Don't do it on two hands. Cancel out. <laughs> I found the head you call out when you reach the landing. You clutch the moose nervously. You peer into the darkness, trying to find the headless ghost. The woman's body materialises on the steps below you. Good, her voice says. You still can't figure out how she can talk. Just set it down right there on the stairs. Really, you think? This is going to work? Maybe the ghost hasn't seen the moose head yet. What will she do when she discovers what you've done? Trembling, you set the moose head down on the bottom step. You hold your breath. For a moment, nothing happens. Then the moose head begins to shake. At first, it just rocks back and forth a little, but soon it starts to vibrate wildly. The moose head begins to glow as if it were a light inside it. Then a ghostly woman's face appears inside the moose head. You can't believe it, but there it is. The face of a beautiful young woman trapped within the dusty old moose head. Wow, you did it. You actually found her head. What? (laughs) What? (laughs) What? That's how she died. She was, you know... She suffocated in a moose head. One of the moose heads fell off the wall and decapitated her. Amazing. Turn to page 51. It's like an R.L. Stein death. She must have read a different book. That's how she died. You're lasting a lot longer in this second path than I expected, I have to say. Well, the other thing is, like, we're doing what the book's intentionally kind of suggesting, yeah. and I think when you do that, you end up getting a much longer path, because mm. the book kind of wants you to go a specific way to tell a full story. You stare at the glowing ghostly face. Your mouth drops open as the face rises out of the moose head. The woman's face floats up and hangs in midair right in front of you. Thank you, the head says. You have released me from my trap. Her eyes are large and bright blue. Her ruby lips shimmer in the darkness. Her long black hair hangs down, falling below her neck. Her neck? You glance at it and try not to scream. Torn flesh dangles from the bottom of her neck. Blood drips from the ragged edges. Suddenly, you realise what you're seeing. It looks as if her head has been chopped off. What did you expect? Try not to faint. Turn to page 41. Are you trying not to faint? Yes. Oh, good. Your stomach turns at the sight of her bloody neck. Then you notice the ghost's body is still hovering below you. It floats up the stairs and somehow attaches to her head. Thank you, she says once she's in one piece. One piece. <laughs> she hands you her foil. I am the keeper of the sword. Take this and use it as you will. Now I must return to my grave. You remember Mac McFarling's instructions. Do you remember what the instruction was? Yeah, I've got to take out the multiplayer game. <laughs> That's right. There was something else to do with the Keeper of the Sword, though. Wait, you call. What's your name? Sarah, she whispers. Sorry. Sarah. Tony. She whispers as her form fades away. Then she's gone. You run to the phone and dial Mac Farling's number. When he answers, you tell him you've got the sword. Good, Mac Farling says. How do I find the MPG, you ask? What? McFarling says. Call waiting. Gotta go. <sighs> he hangs up. Call waiting, you think. What a liar. He just doesn't know how to help you find the MPG. Now what? 
Do you go to the graveyard? Or do you think the MPG will come to you? To the graveyard! To the wall! <laughs> to the ghosts floating down the hall! <laughs> and it's on page 96, which is the backward sex number. You race out to the graveyard. You've got to find the fencing woman's grave. Fast! Then it hits you. You only know her first name. Sarah. Sarah who? You run up and down the rows of tombstones, searching for a grave marked Sarah. Naturally, you find two. One is Sarah Grayson, born in 1820, died in 1895. The other is Sarah McGuinness, born 1918, died 1940. It's up to you. Which is the right Sarah? Think very carefully, then pick one. You balance the sword under your arm and feel around in your pockets. You pull a broken pencil from your jeans. You glance down and find a crumpled gum wrapper on the ground. You grab it and with shaking fingers you write down the year of Sarah's death and hope you choose correctly. Have you written down the date of Sarah's death? Good, because something terrifying is happening behind you. You really don't want to keep your back turned. So put down your pencil and turn to page 114 if you dare. So Sarah Grayson uh, was born 1820 and died in 1895. Sarah McGuinness, born 1918 and died in 1940. Do you have a specific Sarah that you're currently thinking it's going to be between Grayson and McGuinness? Mm, I'm gonna pick McGuinness. Yeah? I'm so thinking, like, like, I know fencing's an old thing but like i don't know i feel like the 1918 to 1940 was a more likely time to have found yeah a fencer in the terms of or the way that she's described whereas if you went to the 1800s they were probably just swordsmen not mm -hmm. fencers so we're going to be turning to page 114 you don't like the prickly feeling in the back of your neck you turn around slowly and gasp the coffins have moved again <laughs> you can tell because you've wandered to the front of the graveyard you are standing by the first row, the row that spelled out YOU in the curve. YOU! <laughs> Got that soldier bing, boy. Bing, bing, <laughs> bing, bing, bing. The row that used to only have three tombstones. Now the front row is crowded with graves. Seven of them. Four more coffins have creeped into place. You glance towards the back of the graveyard and notice new empty spots. It's true. The tombstones are spelling again. Your heart pounds as you run along the row reading the four new names trying to see what the new initials will spell out. Bannister, Oswald, Thackeray, Hamilton. B-O-T-H. Oh no. Now the message reads, you both will die soon, with only the D-I and die. Yeah. Quick, <laughs> hurry to page 31. Oh, they're really kind of uh, letting you go <sighs> your own way. Hey, we're getting right to the crux of it. Your throat tightens in terror. Are you going to win? If you win this, I'm going to be so impressed. I can honestly say that so far, I wouldn't consider anyone who's played these pick-a-path adventures as having won their yeah, book. Because what did I say the other day when I said we were going to do this? I said, yeah, I joked. I was like, how you watch like, I, I end up winning. Oh, yeah. And it's like, You're can gonna you get even through. win at these books? Like, we'll find out. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that listeners, I'm going for the win. This is for you. <laughs> your throat tightens in terror. Your heart pounds wildly. Both you and your grandmother are cursed now. Your granny can't even see the ghosts. She won't be able to save herself. It's all up to you. You grip the sword so hard your hand cramps. You've got to stop the coffins from moving again. But you've got to do it now before the final coffin moves into place and the curse is complete. 
But who is the most powerful ghost? One more letter, you mutter. Only one more letter is needed to spell out the message. The last letter in the word die. The letter E. Then it hits you. The most powerful ghost must be someone whose last name starts with an E. That's it. You may live after all. You run through the graveyard looking at the tombstones, searching for E's. You find three. Melvin E-Step, Melvin E-Step 2, and Brandon E-Step. What the hell kind of last name is E-Step? E-Step, yeah. But which one is the MPG? You could guess, or you could go into the house and ask Elvira for help. Hmm. E-Step, let's do it. Are you going to take a guess, or are you going to ask Elvira to help? Actually, no, yeah, let's go ask Elvira. Let's do it. Let's go hang out with that chick. We haven't seen her in a while. All right, turning to page 28. You decide to play it safe by asking Elvira for help. You turn and race into the house. Your grandmother is watching TV in the den. Oh, no. Let <laughs> her in the remote control. You dash past her. She doesn't even look up from her program. The airy light from the television is the only light in the whole house. You hurry up the back stairs to your room. You've got to find the MPG. And there's only one person, or ghost, who might be able to help you. You flip on a light in the small guest bedroom. A piercing shriek shatters the night. Now what? Cover your ears and turn to page 15. I think you've visited the most pages out of everyone I've done this with so far. <laughs> I don't remember what voice I gave Elvira at all. Turn off that stupid light, Elvira screams. I'm trying to get some sleep. Sorry, you quickly flick off the light but you don't have any trouble seeing Elvira. She glows in the dark. I have to tell you something, you tell her, but she pulls the pillow over her face. This isn't going to be easy. She's one sleepy ghost. Then you have an idea. You flick on the light again. Elvira sits straight up and lets out a piercing wail. <coughs> kind of like a space whale noise. <coughs> Elvira, you say, I'll turn off the light if you'll answer one teeny question. Then you can sleep as long as you want. I promise. Her eyes begin to glow green again, but she looks very sleepy. Maybe she'll be too tired to hurt you. Who's the most powerful ghost in the graveyard? You blurt out. Alvira blinks a bit. Hmm. She says, I'd say Melvin Estep's boy. He does tend to rule us with an iron hand. The Estep boy, you mutter. But there are two of them. Melvin too? And Brandon. Which one? But Alvira doesn't answer. She's fast asleep. And you promised you wouldn't wake her up again. You always keep a promise. Hurry to page 43. You turn and run out of the room, leaving Elvira snoring peacefully in your bed. You head back to the graveyard. You're going to have to take a chance on one of the E-step boys. And fast, before the graves move again. Only one letter left before the curse is complete. That's what keeps going through your head. When you reach the graveyard, you are almost out of breath from running up and down the stairs so many times. But the sight that greets you nearly takes your breath away completely. You think you might faint. The graveyard is filled with ghosts. Horrible ghosts. One of them, an old man with long stringy hair, carries an axe. A woman sobs. A head without a body passes. Then a body without a head. Each ghost is worse than the last. Then you remember the fencing foil in your hands. You raise the sword to fend them off. It works. They float all around the graveyard, but they don't come near you. You run straight for the E-step graves. But which one? Melvin 2 or Brandon? You've got to choose. What you gonna do, Molly? You going to be stabbing the grave of Melvin E-step II or 2? Or are you going to stab Brandon E-step's grave? Let's do Brandon E-step. Let's do it. We're turning to page 47. 
You cross your fingers and decide to take a chance on Brandon Eastep. You run over to his tombstone and stand in front of it. You hold the sword in both hands like a dagger with the point down. Your hands tremble so much you're afraid you'll drop the sword. You tighten your grip and take a deep breath. Then you raise the sword above Brandon's grave and prepare to plunge it into the ground. But something stops you. What happens? Find out on page 36. You hear a booming crack in the next instant. The ghost of Brandon Eastep rises out of his grave. Is he the MPG? Have you chosen the right Eastep? You peer at Brandon as he floats towards you. He's a young guy wearing a black leather motorcycle jacket with heavy metal spikes and chains and a metal hand. A metal hand? What? A chill of terror runs through you. This must be him, the most powerful ghost. The ghost with the iron hand. <laughs> you raise the foil again, but the ghost lunges at you. He grabs your arm with his iron hand. Your Don't arm you mean freezes. Iron fist. <laughs> you can't move. For a moment you panic. Then you remember what McFarling told you. The date of Sarah's death. It's magic somehow. Did you write down the date like McFarling told you? Good. Then find the date and add up all four digits in the year. What's the new number? Well, that's your next page. Turn to that page. If you don't remember the date, turn to page 96, choose one of the series, add the digits up, and go to that page. Well, I'm going to hand you the book. Now, I do believe you said uh, Sarah McGuinness. Yeah. But if you want to now, you can choose Sarah Grayson. So. And it's the year of their death. One, nine, four. So that's 14. Sure is. Nine plus one is ten plus four. So. Okay, page 14. We're going to turn to page 14. Let's see if you chose the right Sarah can't believe it's all coming down to this. Maybe. <laughs> Just assume. Congratulations. You picked the right Sarah. Sarah McGuinness, born in 1918, died in 1940 at the age of 22. You knew she was the right one because the fencing ghost was a young beauty. So she must have died young. The other Sarah in the graveyard lived to be 75 years old. Very clever of you to figure it out. Mm -hmm. Suddenly you hear her voice. It fills your ears. I am the keeper of the sword, she calls to you from her grave. Let my foil do the work. Let go. Let go? Weird, you think, but you do it. As soon as the foil leaves your hand, it floats in midair. Then it plunges itself deeply into the air, into Brandon Eastep's grave. <coughs> Ghost cries. His shimmering body begins to fade and then disappears back into the earth. Your eyes open wide and your mouth drops open as you gaze at an amazing sight. The coffins are creeping again, back to their original positions. You did it. The curse has been defeated. But there's only one problem. Brandon's ghostly body is gone, but his iron fist is still clutching your arm. Turn to page 86. I think you might have actually beaten the curse of the creeping coffin. McFarling never told you what to do about an iron hand. Help, you scream. Help! But who can help you in a graveyard? You try to yank the metal hand off your arm, but you can't do it. Its grip is too strong. Help, you cry again, but your scream dies in your throat. You are too terrified to make a sound because the hand is moving. The iron fist creeps up your arm. It clutches your flesh so hard you can already feel the bruises. The glinting metal hand travels up to your throat. Mm. Horrified, you watch helplessly as the iron fingers open with a clanking sound and then snap around your neck. It's strangling you. You've got to do something fast. Turn to page 116. <gasps> the metal hand clutching your throat is squeezing the life out of you. You don't have much time left. Then you see it. The sword. It has lifted itself out of the ground, and it's once again floating in mid-air. The sword helped before, 
maybe it can help you again. Stretching your arm as far as you can, you reach for the sword. You nearly topple over, but you manage to grab the handle. Now that you have the sword, you're not sure what to do with it, but you have to do something. The fingers are tightening. You've got to get some space between your throat and the metal fingers. You bring the sword up to your neck, trying to avoid slicing your own throat. Oh, now you're worried about slicing your own throat after it goes through your throat <laughs> earlier. <laughs> so it went through you, but you're able to hold it like, what's the rules? You jostle and jiggle the sword through the fingers of the metal hand. Finally, the blade pokes up through the iron fist. The tip is just under your nose. The sword is jammed between your skin and the cold metal of Brandon East Step's hand. The iron hand releases from your throat. The sword and the hand clatters to the ground. It's over. Well, maybe not. The moment the sword hits the dirt, you hear a sound. An almost deafening sound. Hold your ears and turn to page 131. <gasps> bong! 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 What is that? Some kind of clock tower? Bong! 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 The chime strikes 12 times. At exactly midnight, the iron hand and the sword vanish, and your grandmother appears in the doorway of her house. Why, listen to that, she exclaims. It's the clock tower in the church. Keep going. That clock hasn't chimed in years. Really, you say, your eyes growing wide? Your grandmother nods. Not since Brandon Esep died. He crashed his motorcycle in the graveyard. Wild boy, but he loved that clock tower. He had helped his father build it, so everyone said Brandon haunted this place, and that's why the clock wouldn't chime. Of course, that's a lot of nonsense. Nonsense? No way, you think. They tried to fix the clock a million times, your grandmother goes on, but it never worked. I wonder why it started chiming now. You're pretty sure you know the answer to that. You've got a big excited face on, Molly. What's up? I don't know. I just think I won this. <laughs> it does seem to be I won this. I won this. Yes, no. Gosh, I'm waiting for them to turn around and tell me Grandma's dead. I'm telling you, hello. I guess Brandon's ghost is finally at rest, you say. You gaze around you and see that the tombstones are all back where they belong. In fact, the whole graveyard looks kind of sleepy and peaceful. Oh, don't be a goose, your grandmother scolds. There are no ghosts. Next, you'll be telling me that the ghost of Elmira Martin is taking a nap in your room. Elvira? You'd forgotten about her, but you figure... When the other ghosts returned to their graves, Elvira did too. Your grandmother yawns. Oh, come on, she says sleepily. This is way past both our bedtimes. You and your grandmother go inside. You say goodnight and climb the stairs to your bedroom. What a day, you think, flopping down on the soft bed. Watch it. A familiar voice echoes <laughs> through the room. A lump under the comforter slowly materialises. Elvira, don't hold the covers, she snaps. She yanks the blanket under you so hard you roll right out of bed. You've heard of bad roommates, but this is ridiculous. Well, you'll just have to learn to get along because Elvira is here for eternity. Your days of having your own room have come to an end. end. I won! <laughs> I won. <laughs> I won. <laughs> Sure, that's class as an absolute win. Oh, yeah, man. What up? Congratulations, oh, Molly. Me and Alvira, friends for life. Right? You survived, saved the day. There you go, listeners. You got you got what you wanted. We we went to the ghost hunter. We followed the book's instructions. Yeah. And we won. You did. A victorious victory. <laughs> Sixteen choices you got to make in that book. 
and you managed to choose the ones that led you to one really exciting end with a TV remote and a, a Neanderthal. Yeah, that got weird real quick. It got real weird. And then you managed to follow through. You found the Keeper of the Sword. You found the multiplayer game. You figured out which Sarah, which Child of the on. East Steps, and you defeated the curse of the Creeping Coffin. Mm-hmm. Mm. Molly, congratulations. You have successfully beaten this Pick-A-Path adventure. I feel pretty good about this. It's great. No, I just I like that I know R.L. Stein in a way. Like I was, I'm like listening to you read it, and like my brain was like, oh, it's gonna be this. And then you'd read it out, and I'm like, see, I know it. Bloody R.L. Like right? he has, he has, he has very signature things. That's what, what I was about to say. It? Are you ready for the signature R.L. Stein ending? And mm-hmm. then you're like, Elvira for life. Yeah, yeah. There it is. Yeah. Like, with well, the classic. Dun, dun, dun. You're like, oh, it's just oh never over. You got know? him. Oh, I love that stuff. It's good. Because Stephen King does that a bit in some of his shorter stories, mm-hmm. but it was always R.L. Stein that just had the cheeky, like, you think... Even it's a happy you know, ending, like, yeah. but hey, you got to live with Elvira forever. We bet the curse. You beat the curse. That's the game. Congratulations. Everyone, you can follow Molly Mason and Bette Noir on all of their social medias, which will be linked in the descriptions below. <laughs> and I do think, because Molly has successfully beaten this Pick-A-Path adventure... We're going to have to get it back at some point for one of those special edition Give Yourself Goosebumps novels. Otherwise, maybe an Alternamorphs or a Sonic Adventure game book. Go do something. Test those skills. Yeah. Do you have any final words for our listeners, Molly? That's about it. No, yeah, thank you. That was great. Real insightful words of wisdom. This has been Pick a Path Podcast, reading the eighth Give Yourself Goosebumps novel by R.L. Stein. This has been Molly Mason in... The Curse of the Creeping Coffin. Battery's not included. The end. Amazing. Thank you so much, Molly. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to Pick a Path Podcast. As you know, we try to release a new episode at the beginning of every month, but we may not always meet our target. Either way, next episode will be Charlie Leeming in The Night in Screaming Armour. Make sure you check us out wherever good podcasts can be heard and on the Split Television Productions YouTube channel. Bye!